like instead of being like crammed and pinned up against the wall, like I can even like I can like I can do exercises on air. I can I'm do doing it. I'm doing the opposite right now. A couple of weeks ago, I moved my room around, and I don't show it because it's kind of awkward. But those of y'all that are here early, my bed is right here, so I'm like <laughs> pinned in between my desk and my bed right now. Mm. So I, I think I did the opposite to what you did, Tom. I'll have a new setup come May. I'll probably be moving into my own place. So uh, right now I'm just in the room. Bed is like directly behind. Like this is my bed. I'm, I'm as far back as I can be. I'm as far up as I can be. Not a whole <laughs> yeah. lot of difference <laughs> yeah, between yeah, those yeah. two things. So I feel you, Billy, that we're, we're working in limited space. But what it's we just, uh, It's just funny. Yeah. For the last like three years, people have either just seen like my back wall, like here, or like my door. Like when we first started, like that's it. It's only this is the rest of my the world is now seeing the rest of my house uh, for the first time. So shout out uh, my little crooked. Absolutely nothing is straight house because the foundation is crumbling. You know, that's fun. Look, there's a little bonus section for you guys. We we're trying to figure out what we were going to talk about um, today. But and also if you're listening and you're going to YouTube and you're commenting. I know the last couple of times we gave the bonus to everyone, and I should have said this to them. If you want to hear something in the bonus or something, something you want us to talk about that happened throughout the weekend or something, if you post and comment, that's what we'll do. Because uh, right now we just shoot the shit on whatever. But today we were graced because Full Tilt is just lucky. We are <laughs> lucky sons of bitches. Because it seems like all off-season and all-season, because we record at this time, especially the earlier time now, we can hit stuff before some other folks. And right now, because we're thankful that coaches decided to say, well, yeah, we don't yeah. want to go to Denver. Denver made a, a seeming – it sounds like a panic move, but if you, if you go and watch Albright's um, <laughs> Twitter feed, he's claiming that it wasn't a – a lot. He does. He's claiming it's not a um, panic move by Denver. Uh, but he was not a fan. Was he was not, not on the Peyton train. Well, no, I mean, they're paying a first-round pick, or they're paying a first-round pick and a second-round pick to get Sean Payton and a third-round pick next year. I so, think that some of the – I think some of the second-choice, third-choice stuff, like, I don't know. I do think that the way that it's been painted is like, oh, he was their third choice. And can you believe they also had to trade this up? Like, I, I'm not sure. I wasn't in the meetings. But it also seems yeah. entirely plausible to me that if they didn't have to trade stuff for him, maybe he would have been their first choice, right? Like, may, maybe what made him their third choice is that they would have had to trade stuff to get him. And they were like, here's a couple coaches that we can get, quote, unquote, for free. You know, we like that alternative better than if we have to give up all this stuff for Peyton. You know, so I'm not sure that it's a matter of, okay, even if there wasn't anything to do with additional compensation, you know, Peyton still would have been their third choice. Maybe he would have been. I'm not sure. But I, I just think that it's not like that's factored in totally separately. Tom? Tom, you're on mute, buddy. Yeah. I was letting him oh, go. You're, you're not on mute. You just We just can't hear you. Okay, well, Billy and I will keep talking until Tom gets his uh, audio situation figured out. Yeah, the, this move is really interesting because I, I think it just stimulates chaos in the fantasy space. Like, we were all so comfortable to just be like, eh, the Broncos, eh. Uh, like, Russell Wilson, bad. Jerry Judy, look, he he had 
quietly had like a pretty decent year. Like it, it felt like we were all so ready to just, yeah, take Javante Judy. Don't think about it anymore. And now with Peyton coming in, I, I'm going to be really interested to see how this develops. Like I, I was already someone who was viewing guys like Russell Wilson as a buy this off season. Oh yeah. yeah. But now with this, I think there. I think this isn't going to affect his ADP a whole lot, but I think it should. Like I, I think this yeah. is something that could have a large effect. And a lot of times when we're talking about fantasy, and you'll hear this on every pod from the the crazy folks to the the guys that are very very entry level, it's like don't don't overestimate coaching changes. This one, I think, legitimately could have a pretty significant effect coming in. So this is going to be really interesting. I'm excited to see how this shapes out. I think it should change things. Oh, hey. Ah! I fix it. There's this little button on the mic that I hit mute on by accident. Anyway, um, because every time now I, like, go silent for a minute, I have an immediate panic attack and PTSD from all those shows where I really tried to fix the audio. That's immediately where my brain goes. I think this should impact Wilson's ADP. Like, all we know from Sean Payton's track record is that his offense works. And people can argue, like, oh, well, it was Drew Brees. Sure, but it was like 38-year-old Drew Brees with a noodle arm, and he was still good up until that actual final season. He's saying that Russ can't figure out how to throw, like, shallow crossing passes. And also, can we just – I'm, I'm going to do it because I have to, but I love it for Javante Williams. Like, I really do. He's a legitimate pass catching back. And even if we don't get full workload Javante, what were the actual chances that we were going to get that anyway out of any running back? It's slim. Like I could see them bringing back 33 year old Latavius Murray. I could see them rolling out Javante when he's healthy on pass catching downs. And you're, if you get 65% of Alvin Kamara's receiving workload out of Javante, smash, smash. So I like it all the way around. I think it's a great hire. I mean, I like it also, of course, Peyton, you know, famously used the tight end to great success. Uh, and not just Jimmy Graham. I mean, we've seen Jared Cook have seasons of high relevance. Yeah. We saw Benjamin Watson. I don't know if anybody remembers Benjamin Watson had an absolutely legendary season for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Wasn't Kobe Fleener before he yeah, got he his kind of busted. Wreck? That was one guy who did not, did not uh, do a whole lot was, in New Orleans. I thought he was good until he got his, his dome absolutely crushed like – multiple times he had a great run in indy and he got signed oh, to a contract okay. with the saints and he like vanished but uh but he's had success with other dudes for sure so i mean you'd love to see that for greg dulcich of course uh pod favorite and i, I think that this was a good hire personally I, I think that the sentiment around it has been kind of negative and i want to talk about that a little bit first of all i think that people have downplayed in their minds how good of a coach Sean Payton is. If you look at wins over expected, and that's basically how many games did you win versus what Vegas thought you were going to win, right? So yeah. how you know? I don't know if that's a perfect coaching metric, but to me, it says something about how we're assessing your roster year in year out. What are you able to do? You know, over back from 2009 on, Sean Payton ranked third in the NFL in wins over expected. And if you look at who's at the top of the list, 
you know, it's one of those sniff test metrics where it's like, oh, does this metric mean anything? And then you look and it's like, oh, who's first? Bill Belichick. Who's second? Andy Reid. Who's third? Sean Payton, John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin, Pete Carroll. <laughs> right? So it's like, okay, that's that's a good group of coaches to be surrounded by when you look yeah. at any type of statistic. Sean Payton is, is one of those dudes. People forget he had them at five and two. Uh, his last season coaching them without Drew Brees, with Jameis Winston at quarterback. I mean, they were very likely to make the playoffs in that season if they didn't end up having to go to Trevor Simeon and then even Taysom Hill with plantar fasciitis. Like, the, the guy can coach a football team. There's just no question yeah. about it. And, and they didn't have them... exactly great rosters. It was patchworked right. by Sean Payton and then Drew Brees. I mean, their offense was... I mean, how much do we look at the NFL these days and everybody's saying, oh, this guy needs more weapons. This guy needs more, more weapons. And not even because they don't have a top guy. It's like people looking at the Bills. It's like they, who do they have other than Stefan Diggs? Who do the Chiefs have beyond Travis Kelsey? Who does X have beyond this guy? The Saints, I mean, they had once upon a time, they had the, uh, well, way back, they had, you know, Marcus Colston and Jimmy Graham and whatever. But even if you just look at sort of the second act of his Saints tenure, you know, there was the one season where they had Michael Thomas as a rookie. They had Brandon Cooks and they had Willie Sneed the one season that he was pretty good. And you <laughs> look at that, oh, that's a unit. But for the latter portion of Breeze's career, it was only Thomas and Kamara. Like those were the only two guys yep. that gave you anything on offense. And they were continuously able to manufacture efficient offense despite a quarterback who couldn't throw more than 10 yards, one viable wide receiver and a, and a pass catching running back. Like there wasn't and really anything else. Matter. It was like Jared cook, 34 year old Jared cook as a tight end. I was their wide receiver too. was like, who it was like Ted Ginn uh, yep. and Traquan Smith. Like these, these were not even NFL players. So this, I mean, the guy's a genius offensively. His teams have had a lot of success uh, and his teams have had a lot of success in a way that I think is, is, widely attributable to him i mean look at some of these players that he's had that have had relevant real life and fantasy seasons in a sean payton offense and have done nothing anywhere else willie sneed comes to mind right had a great thousand yard receiving season with the new orleans saints has done literally nothing else his entire career devery henderson willie sneed. right i mean jimmy graham let's be honest was like trying to be one of the best tight ends of all time in that system you know, obviously injuries come into it. He was not the same after he gets um, moved out. We just talked about Benjamin Watson. We talked about Jared Cook as like a 34-year-old having his best yeah. fantasy season there. I mean, this is a guy who's absolutely knows how to make some lemonade out of some lemons. I don't know what the fit will be with Russ. It's a very different offense that he ran with Drew Brees than he ran with Russ. But he's ran, frankly, very different offenses with the different versions of Drew Brees that he coached, right? If you look back at their early years, it's like, think back to Drew Brees chucking 35-yard seam routes to Devery Henderson and Lance Moore and Marquez Colston versus the latter half of Drew Brees yeah. where he's throwing a bunch of slants to Michael Thomas, right? I mean, I think Sean Payton's just a guy who is going to get the most out of his offensive personnel. It's not a matter of forcing people to his quote-unquote system. Now, here's a question, okay, because I want to move on to talk a little bit about D'Amico Ryans. He deserves a shout-out, even though defensive coach, we don't necessarily like a defensive uh, head coach for rookie quarterbacks. We'll talk about that a lot in the offseason, I'm sure. But what are the chances? Also, shout out Ferris. What up, man? Thanks for tuning in. Uh, what are the chances that Taysom Hill leverages whatever he had on Sean Payton to get himself traded to the Denver Broncos? Because Sean Payton loves him, Taysom Hill. Obviously, Saints, Saints need to shed cap. Broncos have cap. I think there's a deal that could be worked out here. Uh, and it would make everybody, it would make everyone cry. So, 
Just keep in mind, I said it first. If, Taysom Hill to the Greg Denver Broncos. If Dulcich loses his job to Taysom Hill, you will not see me on the show again. Greg Dulcich and Javante at the and same time. What Billy didn't mention because he was on advice of counsel not to mention it. Uh, but I wasn't the lawyer, so this doesn't break attorney-client privilege. Was that the reason we won't see Billy is that he will fly to Denver and murder Sean Payton with an axe <laughs> <laughs> if he does that. And so he'll be he's in gonna, a federal prison. Will he Tanya yeah. Harding uh, uh, Taysom Hill? I think that's Look, I mean, that's the real possibility. T- Taysom Hill is the fifth-best quarterback in Packers history. But the, well, like, you, you, think, uh, you think that Billy is a pretty easygoing guy, right? But remember that one time when he got interrupted, we saw a little bit of the explosion. <laughs> Just imagine the explosion when Greg Dulcich gets cucked for Taysom Hill. The man's going to go a little, little bit of fire in the eyes. We're going to see Billy's going to uh, accidentally leave the flight schedule on his monitor behind him where we can see it with like a kill list. Uh, yeah. It's going to be on there if it happens. All right, let's yeah. talk to Miko Ryan. It's going to be like Arya right. Stark at night. Yeah, Sean exactly. Payton, Taysom Hill. Yeah. <laughs> the North remembers. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about D'Amico Ryans. Obviously, he's a good defensive coordinator. He was a Pro Bowl, if not All-Pro linebacker with Houston, going back to Houston. We love these stories. However, uh, kind of a rough situation to walk into. Obviously, the team is doggy-doo. Uh, we know this. They are going to select a quarterback, we believe, at the top of the draft. Uh, what at number uh, two? Uh, defensive coach uh, heading into a rookie quarterback. His offensive coordinator is obviously really going to matter, and the offensive coordinator landscape is thin. It is thin out there already. So I am concerned here for, for what moves on forward. But I'm also concerned the Houston Texans have dumped one and done two different head coaches, one being Lovey Smith, a successful head coach already, and uh, Cully got absolutely yeah. thrown under the bus in Houston. So it's a rocky situation. We don't know if hiring D'Amico Ryans means there's some changing of the guard and how they're approaching it. Uh, but we're here. We're obviously we're a, we're a fantasy group, right? So let's let's keep it fantasy wise. Do you do you think what changes? Like, what do you think could possibly change with this hire in Houston from what we were expecting already? Yeah, I I view this deal very similar to how I viewed the Dan Campbell deal when that initially happened with Detroit. It Good feels call. very much like they brought in a person that they think. The, the city, the fans of the Houston Texans can get behind. He was a multiple-time Pro Bowler, defensive rookie of the year with Houston back in the late 2000s. Like, th- this is a guy that they can see the team kind of get behind. And we see that with the fact that they signed him to, what, a five-, six-year contract? Yeah. Like, th- this to me signals a kind of change of the Texans' opinion of who they're going to be the next couple of years. They brought mm-hmm. in a person that they think legitimately can build this team up the way they want them to. They brought in a person who they can kind of change the faith of the team, and it's not its not like Bill O'Brien, where they have a bad week and everyone and their mother is calling for him to get fired. Yeah. Like, I, I think yeah. this is... I think this is a smart move in the sense that it buys him a little bit of grace with the fans and allows him to kind of build this team up how he wants to. And we've seen contracts like this do well in the NFL so far. I mean, Dan Campbell right now is like, everyone's a fan of Dan Campbell, and he's turning that team around slowly. And when they signed him to a seven-year contract, everyone was laughing about it. But I, I think this is a really smart move by the Texans. 
I think the if you could select a defense to be a fan of the last couple of years, it's been the 49ers. So I, I think this is a smart move. It's exciting. I think this is going to be really good for Houston. Man, he had an absolutely prolific run in Houston. 100 and, 156 tackles, 128, 112, 123. He was very highly in that, from picks. what I recall. I, I remember he often was. asking him in franchise okay. mode. A couple nice. years in Philly as well. So good player. We obviously yeah. know his coaching. Do you, do you see a changing in philosophy coming up, or is it going to be like Damian Pierce all day again? I mean, I don't know anything about his philosophy from that standpoint. I, I presume that point. he's going to want to establish the run just based off of most defensive coaches seem to like to establish the run. He, of course, comes from San Francisco where, you know, all the offensive coaches that he was surrounded with come from that Shanahan tree. Um I don't know. I, I think that we'll like from a fantasy perspective, we'll probably glean more about the offense when they hire an offensive coordinator than whatever yep. we're going to get our D'Amico Ryan's right. Um, really hard to say. I mean, the hire seems good. He, he obviously did a great job with that defense. I think it's hard to grade like first time coordinator hires um, in particular defensive coordinator hires to me, because I mean, a defense is just not quite as important as offense, but C, like, I just don't know as much about, defensive scheming right like to be honest yeah. I, like like i feel like i can you know i'm not a, i'm not an expert in any form of football scheme but i i like have takes on offensive coordinators that i think are at least somewhat hackishly informed i don't really have takes on defensive coordinators so the way i look at it i don't know they seem like a great defense he was coordinating it he's probably pretty good at that they also have a lot of good players so if someone was like oh he's actually just a good coordinator and he had a lot of players i'd be like oh that sounds reasonable enough to me i don't know i don't have like a firm take on it i think it's cool that he used to play there i think it's cool to hire a younger head coach to breathe some life into a franchise that's just been stale and kind of old and continually hiring kind of old coaches i like that they gave him a six-year commitment so that they can kind of put an end to this cycle of regurgitating through head coaches. Yeah. And I hope that they give him a run to develop a program and a culture there. So I'm excited about it. Um, yeah, but hard, hard to have fantasy takes, I think, yep. when we're talking about a defensive coach and we don't know who the OC is yet. Yep, I absolutely agree. Look, that's going to be the opening. We're going to get kicked off. This opening was brought to us by Trophy Smack. You can head over there right now, get your championship rings. Whenever you get a trophy or a, cha- uh, a championship belt, Use promo code full tilt F U L L T I L T. Get that in your cart. You get your free ring of the 60 bucks. Look at that. It's so sweet. You leave it on your desk. Uh, you can slap your friends around with it. If you feel like it, who knows? Look, we're going to get this thing uh, kicked off, fired up. We're ready to go. Kind of a different content day for us today, but I'm excited. Let's fire up episode uh, 201. Episode 201 on the Full Tilt Podcast Network has arrived. We're here. Look, we have one more show for this year after this. 
uh, on the 7th, and then we are not back until March 7th. I know it took us a little while to figure that out in the group chat today, but we got it figured out. Uh, we are going to have a bit of a break. We need it. We need to decompress. The walkabout will be back in that time, and we'll still have the Debbie pod to get the full tilt content coming your way. As I mentioned, this is episode 201. The opening bonus, as I mentioned, was brought to us by one of our fantastic sponsors and trophy smack this show is presented by fantasy points media group you're going to want to go over take advantage of their early bird 30 percent off for the 2023 season you're not going to want to miss out on that such great uh content for their writing staff one of the best writing staffs uh, that there are 100 and we're also powered by underdog fantasy which we will talk about shortly uh today is going to be a fun day we're going to talk about how to deal with all the different types of managers and trade discussions uh, we and which ones we come across the most. I know there's one very particular type of fantasy manager that I seem to come across every day. I can't wait to talk about. Uh, we are going to talk about which rookie picks we are investing in or trying to sell the most right now for rookie drafts. And of course, we're going to talk about some psycho drafts. All you lunatics out there drafting with the actual rookies, not just draft picks. We're going to talk about how to navigate those drafts, how we might navigate those drafts and what we've seen and heard from those drafts, I, of course, your host, the most ominous hands. I am Tom Stifle, FF. Joining me, as always, are two of the smartest people on the planet. We have at Jacob Sanderson and, of course, one of the smartest big-brained human beings I've ever had the pleasure of communicating with. It's at Big Billy FF. Gents, there's so much news and information. Uh, we don't want to clog up that time. We've got to get Jacob to class on time today. So, Jacob, I yeah, want you to kick off. Last week. Yeah, it was very close. I want you to kick off. What's the first thing you want to get into today uh, for the people? Yeah, man, let's talk about those psycho drafts. I mean, that's, that's what we got uh, as our header. If people clicked on the link, how to draft a startup with 2023 rookies already in them i understand this is niche but maybe this conversation will inspire people to try it sometime i know i'm excited too um i think that the next draft that i do i, I want to make sure is one of those so yeah let's talk about it everybody knows the startups are basically three possibilities of doing a startup uh jamie you, there we go there's there's professional help for that jamie um you said you already <laughs> did two startups with the rookies included um we have a number you can call at the end of the show um it's just Jacob's phone number going to go yeah, across. It's just, my, it's just my phone number. We're going to dox him. It's my phone number. And um, if you need to talk to someone in person, here's his address. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Anyhow, uh, there's kind of three modes of startups you would do right now, right? Either yeah. you do the absolute boring, you're just having no fun, you've never like had a, a sip of alcohol, you've never gone to work, anything other than nine to five, you wear a suit to sleep, type of person yeah. which is where you just your draft 112 and then your rookie picks get allotted and, and the rookie picks are the reverse of your draft order and, and that's really lame and then there's i think what's become the most common way to do startups this time which is the kicker for rookie pick startup where you draft kickers and the kickers are placeholders right so you say i'm going to draft the 102 and draft the 103 and then there's the third door which is yeah i'm not messing around with this middleman kicker Right. I'm just going to draft Bryce Young. I'm going to draft Bijan oh Robinson. I'm going to draft all these guys. And so let's talk about it. First of all, 
what, what you know do these interest you whatsoever but i think more pressingly if you find yourself doing one of those this time of year when obviously we don't know that much about these prospects yet what is your strategy around how you're building your teams how you're approaching the rookies what what are you doing differently than what you'd be doing in you know a more standard startup with your kicker picks like first off uh, you can call me whatever you want uh i am too terrified to to do this i am i am big scared i do not have big enough cojones i might do one of them with the full tilt discord if they really want to but last year we saw so many mistakes like uh, at poopy batman from twitch who streams often you can go check them out uh yeah step one don't draft sky more i think it takes a lot of like not having your bias I think Sky Moore was a bias pick in some, at least in, in, uh, in some ways anyway. And yeah, if you drafted um, Sky Moore in an, in, at this time of year though, boy, did you ever get a lot of closing line value over the next uh, yeah. six, seven months. <laughs> yeah. So uh, no, if, if, if you could, uh, if you could have drafted Sky Moore in February and traded him in August, boy, are you ever profiting? I mean, what do we, what do we see? We saw uh, in leagues, you know, Malik Willis get, uh, Lamar Jackson traded for Malik Willis and a pick. I mean, right? This is a time of year where if you're Matt having those Twitter rookies boy. now, if you if you have those uh, decisions to make now, uh, you know, a lot of orphans, a lot of orphans. So um, yeah. I think it takes a certain kind of manager. I'm not that. But I'll say this. When it comes to strategy, to talk in your part on, like, what strategy would you have, I think I'm comfortable with the first six picks of the draft. Like I think I'm fairly comfortable. I'll go seven. I'm pretty comfortable with Young, uh, uh, Stroud, Bijan, Addison, JSN, uh, Sean Tucker, and then after that it's like Mayer, and then Johnson, and then after that, like I have no idea. So I think I would just be on like the C2C site looking up the rankings and going from there. Uh, I, 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 man, it would be tough. I, I think. Just for the most part, I'm comfortable with those guys drafting them high. But after that, like if you're starting to ask me to take like Quinton Johnston over like a DK Metcalf and like Michael Pittman's and stuff, I don't know if I'm I could pull that trigger. I don't think I could do it. Yeah, and it's it's not easy really to look at even not just those picks, but like further on. I'm sure – I remember last year we had rookie picks pre-draft that were going, you know, in the range of guys like Jacoby Myers that probably ended up in the mid-second. Like, the the valuation of where those guys are going to end up going is going to cause so many issues. So, I at, – at that point, I would rather just take the shot on – either guys that are in their second year who I view as probably going to take some form of step forward and they're still a relatively similar age. If that's, if that's the hill you want to die on is you want the young talent, I'd much more be going for second year guys that didn't hit too hard in their first year than I would be for, you know, the, the 10th wide receiver on the board or something like I, and I'm sure it's fun. Like it's exciting to have these guys, and you kind of lock in your 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 lad, and you're like, all right, come, you know, April, we get to know where this guy goes, and get all excited and cheer for something during the draft. 
But all in all, I think you're either going to end up taking some kind of profit during training camp when there's the inevitable, you know, Romeo Dobbs is a top 30 wide receiver hype. Whoever starts hyping uh, is is based on what you're saying. Yeah. Or you're just going to end up sinking a pick, which I mean, at that level, who cares? But that that's kind of the, the feeling I have on it. Jacob. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it goes in waves like early in the draft. It's honestly not particularly relevant. Like I think you're not going to have a lot of concern with Bijan, Stroud, Young, Gibbs, um, you know, JSN, Addison, Quentin Johnson. I'm not worried about their draft capital, right? So whatever oh, you Oh, man, think I about forgot about guys, Gibbs. That's my bad. Yeah, so whatever you I'm think about these guys, like their draft capital is going to be fine. I, I mean, maybe maybe they get a good landing spot. Maybe they get a bad landing spot. I don't know. But the range, I think, is fairly tight. Um, I'm not sure how often I'd actually be drafting these guys in these startups just by the nature of, you know, you always got to know your room. If you're in a room of 11 other people who want to do a startup in February with rookies included, they probably want to draft a lot of rookies. They probably have a lot of knowledge on a lot of these rookies, right? This probably is not your normal startup. So I don't know how much I'll be the one jumping the gun for those guys early on. In my experience, I'm usually not, but I don't think that they're, that you're have massive, massive concerns about those guys losing a lot of value. The middle ground ones are interesting. Uh, You know, in particular, I think the guys that I think have the highest variance between they could be worth way more in May or way less in May are Anthony Richardson, who, yes, I mean, if he goes in the top 15 of the NFL draft, to me, he's like a round four startup pick. And he could also go in round three, and he's like a round 14 startup pick. So it's like, at what point in time am I comfortable taking that range? You know, just the the way that drafts go, it's usually not going to be me because what's usually going to happen in a draft, right, is that every player has a certain range of opinion about them, right? And I don't know, name, I always use Terry McLaurin as my example for this, not to beat up on him. It's just like, he's a guy that I feel like the consensus is like the, like, not that many people have very differing opinions about him. <laughs> so I, like everybody kind of is like, all right, whatever he is, what he is at yeah. this point. So if you like pull a group of people, it's like, where would you take Terry McLaurin in the startup? It's like one dude's going to be like seven, three, the other guy's going to be like six, 10, the other dude's going to be like seven, five. And it's like all going to be kind of the same range, right? When you're talking about Richardson, how wide of a value it's like on average, you know, his average consensus might be this guy's a round eight pick, but that doesn't really matter because whatever that one dude who's highest on Richardson wants to take him, whenever he does take him, that's when he goes off the board. So it's just unlikely that I'm going to be the one taking a shot on this type of guy because I think he's going to get pushed closer and closer to that ceiling range than he is that floor range in terms of where we'll see him in May. And yeah. I feel similarly about, I think the other guys that have the most, um, the widest range are that second tier of running backs, right? Shaw, uh, Tom mentioned one in Tucker that, that he has more confidence in, uh, but Tucker, Evans, Charbonnet, Bigsby, um, Kendra Miller, Devin A. Chain, uh, you name it. All these guys could go in round two. It wouldn't shock me. You go in round four. It wouldn't shock me. You know, and if they go in round four, do they get the plum landing spot or are they a backup, right? It's such a wide range there that I'm probably just going to let the draft aside for me and I'll take – kind of whoever goes last out of that group at the back end of the drafts is where I'm just firing off rookies nonstop. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he is. I'm just looking at it as a trade value perspective. There's such a long way to the off season that like, 
you can take whatever you know bum ass guy you want past round 14 round 15 like maybe they will surpass where you drafted them but they're probably not showing you that they're surpassing it until the actual season more than likely because we already know enough about them they're probably going to linger around where they are until the season maybe they'll perform at that point i'm just pounding rookie 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 if the pick goes up in smoke whatever you know from a value perspective i still get to sit on a guy see what happens and if one of them hits they don't even need to really hit right they just need to become like a round eight pick come summer and then i can try and do it up whatever i want with it then yeah i ended up yeah. doing one of these startups only last year i don't think i drafted any rookies the first 12 rounds and then in the later rounds, I, I just only picked rookies. And there were certainly some guys where, like, nothing really happened. Like, I took, like, Khalil Shakir was one of the picks that I took. Yeah. Um, uh, I forget. There was some rookie running back that I took who didn't amount to anything. But I forget who off the top of my head. Maybe Keontae Ingram. Um, but then there were other guys who was, like, I got, like, Greg Dulcich in, like, the 22nd round. I got Wandale Robinson in, like, the 20th round. I got Romeo Dubs in, like, the 24th round. And I was just, like, turning through all these guys. It's like some of them are going to hit on aggregate you know, we're going to get a little bit of extra value. So I think that's the way that I would try to approach it. I just want to answer uh, Poopy Batman's question. I did not, I did not trade. It went full holding cried on Twitter and discord with Thomas about it. Uh, jokes aside, where can I watch the replay of this besides Twitch about to hop on in game, but would like to revisit. Yeah. You just go to the full tilt YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification button. You get notified for everything, man, from, um, discord updates to giveaways which we do plenty of and have plenty to do including a jsn signed jersey amongst others you're gonna want to be tapped in for that for sure uh, i would be scared to draft sean tucker that early i am scared too uh, i did i did miss on gibbs and anthony richardson so i will admit that i'm probably taking uh sean tucker in like maybe the 110 area if you account for will levis as well but again you're getting in around like some of these guys like if you look at where just the draft picks are going uh, so as of the January 18th update, uh, or January, what is it, the 18th uh, update um, for this, or the 8th, uh, the rookie 105 pick was going in the fourth round, like right after Devontae Adams and Drake London. So if you're telling me at like 105, I'd have to pick between like JSN right now or like Drake London or Devontae Adams, I don't think I can pull that trigger right now. Uh, on those picks. And what's weird to me is I want to ask this. Uh, I want to ask this question. Uh, first, Ferris says, my cutoff is Addison and QJ Gibbs is safe for me. And then Jamie said, I had the 112, oh, took okay, Dak and AJ yeah. Brown over Bijan. So, I prioritized wide receivers and startups. Ended up with zero rookies. Actually took Musgrave in round 21. So we did factor that. But Bijan's a 2-1 pick. Easy. Um, look, I want to ask this. Uh, when you're looking at these rookie picks, why does it change so much when it comes to being so comfortable taking a rookie pick in the third mm. round of a startup, right? And we have no problem. We're like, uh, yeah, I'll take the 104 over Tua. I'll take the 104 over um, Travis Etienne or anything like that. Why are you comfortable taking the 103 and the 104 but not uh, the, the player with the actual – even though we all – I think for most of us, we have the, the first four picks – We'll do this when we do our average, but I'm pretty sure all of us think the first four picks are like Stroud, Young, Bijan, Gibbs. I think the top four are locked. Yeah, yeah. But how come when it comes to the actual player name, why does that scare us and other players away? I don't. Well, I don't think it scares other players nearly enough. Actually, like I'll, you'll often see when you're in these startups that like 
if you just substitute out the order that the actual players are picked versus the rookie pick, then it's often not very different. Um, yeah. And, and I think, and I've asked people like, why is this? Cause it, it seems very irrational to me, but again, I agree. some people just have a lot more conviction in the players at this point in time than I'm willing to have, or in my opinion, that I think you yeah, should have. So for smart. some people, they'll say, well, I don't want the one eight. I want Sean Tucker. And I don't know if Sean Tucker's going to be there at the one eight. So I am willing to spend more for Sean Tucker. Okay. Fair enough. My perspective is like, okay, let's say I'll take the one eight, you know, and, and in my mind, or in this case, let's, let's use one four, right? Okay. Um, I take the one four in my mind. That's probably Gibbs. Okay. Best case, or maybe, maybe not even best case. Cause I actually probably prefer Gibbs to the quarterbacks, but whatever. Let's say you're in the mindset of, of Gibbs is your one four, right? You take the one four and you're thinking this is about where I'd value Jameer Gibbs. Okay. Best case, maybe somebody in front of you takes your dude. And then you actually get someone that you were valued one, two or one, three. You're actually getting excess surplus there in a way that you can yeah. when you take the player. Worst case, let's say Gibbs, comes in, he weighs 190, and he falls to the third round of the NFL draft. All right? Is that a guy you would want to take in round three of a startup? Not so much. Has Hell your 1-4 no. lost some value now? A little bit. But not not that much. Okay, now you can take whoever, whatever your wide receiver of choice is there. You can take JSN, QJ, whatever. Or you can trade the pick back. You can trade the pick out. You can do whatever. I was going to say, it'd it's be easier to move that like, pick in, in ambiguity than it would be as an absolute Exactly. Like last year, it's a big. I posted a thing where I was like, you know, where I I made a trade for the 101, and my plan was at the time, it's like March, was like I'm probably taking Malik Willis at this pick, you know. Okay, obviously Malik Willis goes in the third round. It doesn't happen. Not the yeah. worst thing in the world. I take Brees Hall with the pick, or I think I actually ended up trading it, but I could have whatever. The one one still has value. It's not like you're dead. If you made a trade for the one two last year, thinking it's going to be Hall or Willis. Okay, now it's London or Walker or Burks. Is that a downgrade? Sure, but it's not a death sentence, right? If you just took Malik Willis instead of the pick, that's a death sentence, right? You've just lost like 10 rounds of startup value versus one. So I think absolutely you should be way more comfortable just taking the pick because you look at some of these like mid to late first round picks, you can look at it and be like, if, if you just try to have a little bit more humility about especially the running backs and instead of being like, I need it to be Tucker. I need it to be Charbonnet. I need it to be Evans, whatever. Okay, just let it play out. One of these guys is going to probably go pretty high. One of these guys is going to get a really nice landing spot. That's the one that you get to take. Or if you still like your guy, but his ADP is a lot lower, then you get to trade back. You get to get that guy anyways. You get to reap the yeah. excess value. So I think you should be you know, a lot more comfortable clicking the pick than the player. I, yeah, 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 it's it's hard to disagree with that, honestly. Like, uh, again, it takes a lot of conviction, and I feel like once we get diving into just conviction that's that strong, we start to get tunnel vision, right? And I think yeah. that's that is what happened with Malik Willis, and that is, and of course we, uh, and I'll say this to protect our own asses, right? Because where we had them in our in our consensus is all to draft capital that we weren't saying go and do a startup with the rookies involved. And start taking yeah. other guys like Dak. That wasn't it. It's if draft capital, wait for the draft. So when you start getting those convictions, there were people on the interwebs that firmly believe Malik Willis would be the truth, or you know, there's gonna be three quarterbacks, Sam Howell taken in the first round. Like that that can happen if you really start talking. You can talk yourself in anything. 
Yeah. Right? The first week of the season, I was like, oh, Greg Roman's going under center a couple of times. Like maybe this is the, and I started talking myself into things changing. You can talk yourself into rookie picks and you really start honing in that conviction more and more as you get closer to the draft. And that's dangerous. So I agree. Yeah. I think you should be happy. It's functionally the idea of, do you want this player with knowledge or without? Like, yeah. The you assume this, especially if you're drafting like the fourth round, odds are pretty good. Any player that you're drafting there probably isn't going up at the end of the draft. If you're drafting a player in the first round or in the fourth round, you're expecting them to get either first round capital or like early two capital. So it's when you're drafting the pick versus the player, the question is, do I want T Higgins when he still has that large variance where he could go in the early second or drop later or even fall into the third or maybe climb into the first? Or do I want T Higgins where I know he's an early second round pick? Like the, the variation on that is so, yeah. I will add this quick. There's a point where it flips, right? I mean, I think I forget how I put it in one of the discord threads, but there's a point in every draft where, you know, where the, you know, Early on in the draft, uncertainty is probably more your enemy than your friend. And late in the draft, uncertainty is more your friend than your enemy. In the sense of, like Billy just said, right? You're picking a rookie in the fourth round of a startup. There is a lot more that can go bad that can go than, than can go well, right? Similarly, when you think about it this way, it's like, oh, what was I saying about the 1-8? Okay, I'm not thinking about that as a running back. I'm thinking of that as whatever one of this batch of running backs ends up getting the purest run out, right? Now, what is the 2-7? That's in large part probably whatever one of those running backs gets the worst run out, right? So in that scenario, when you're in this spot, it flips. Now, uh, like I want to be at this point in once we get into late spots, I want to be valuing the players over the picks because at the 210, you know, at the 211, at the 212, when I'm taking those as kickers, it's like, all right, well, I'm just going to get stuck with whatever guys don't end up in the plum spots. But there's a chance you could take, Roshan Johnson, you know, in, and he's like the 27th rookie off the board. And maybe by the time we come around to June, he's the 11th rookie running back off the board. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he's the 36th, but is the difference between the three, three and the three twelve that detrimental. Not really, but there's a chance that you can essentially turn that three, three type value into a late first by just spinning the, the dice on these guys. So I would be absolutely churning, especially at the running back position where we all know that draft capital matters so much, especially pre combine. Like if you could get in on some of these guys who might blaze at the combine and might really see their stock shooting up, you know, some of these guys who are at the senior bowl, for instance, like these are the kind of guys where I just want to stack bets where it's not like one guy, I'll just take four of them. And if any one of these four ends up being the one who all of a sudden has a lot more value, right? If you look at it last year, this time of year, you know, you could have taken like Jerome Ford, Damian Pierce, Jerome James Ford. Cook, and Keontae Ingram, right? And you get to the draft, it's like, okay, Ford, I lit that pick on fire. Ingram, whatever. Oh, James Cook went in round two? Sick. You know, I just gained a lot of value on that, right? That's the kind of thing. It's a Damian Pierce uh, Algier conversation where you could you could have got these guys super late in a startup because no one believed they were ever gonna get draft capital. And guess what? They didn't get the draft capital, but then they succeeded anyway. And you could for sure flip Damian Pierce, who started creeping into the top 12 dynasty running back conversation because we all 
uh, you know, dynasty managers like to fall into this trap continuously with, with late round running backs. And then Algier, who you've been able to flip for early seconds and probably a late first to someone somewhere out there. Uh, and if anything, uh, package them up to move them up so you could benefit so you're right there does come a time where it could be beneficial but i think for the absolute psychopaths that are drafting rookies right now uh godspeed uh i I wish you the best uh the strategy would be to not do that i think is is ideal and if you are doing that just just be mindful of your biases and we've got uh spears another tajay I, yeah, the Spears Hive is, is out in full force today. He had a good clip at the Senior Bowl. I already now have a $20 bet uh, with Corey from St- Stock Exchange. Uh, this seems like favorable terms, but we'll see. I, I get to have any of Evans, Bigsby, or Tucker versus Ty J Spears for who gets drafted first. Uh, I love that. That live while on air. So Spears Hive. I did see, see I did Spears see Hive. him post that on Twitter. We, I did he definitely see he definitely has a cool last name. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Billy's going to drop all his fab on him because of his first name. Uh, I just we're want, take... I don't like fantasy Twitter to get in on which of these small boy running backs are, are we going to consolidate around? Is it Spears? Is it Deuce Vaughn? Is it Devin A-Chain? Who, who are we going to pick? I think it's A-Chain. Yeah. A-Chain's going to run a 4-1 and everyone's going <laughs> to lose their fucking mind. Well, I'm pumped for his combo. I mean, I... I'm not going to draft any of that dude. I have him in, in one Debbie league, and that'll be it. I'll root for him. Um, I mean, I want to see him break 4-2, man. You're just going to be happy with that. He, he legitimately, he legitimately might. might. Like, Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he broke 4-2. Yeah. It happened. Anyway. He's posted like some ridiculous times in track, though. So. Yeah, he's fast as hell. Tom. Okay, I'm having a. <laughs> uh, I can't. I can't hear you, for some ah, reason. Ah, that's fun. Oh. That's fun. Yeah, I can't on. hear any of you we guys. We're gonna take a quick break. We come back. Uh, Jacob is gonna open up the next bit uh, <laughs> until I can hear everybody again. I don't know what is happening today. Sit tight. All right. Well, I, mean, I guess it's all you. There right. we go. No, I'm good. I'm back. We're back. Look, uh, that was a phenomenal conversation. I did love that. Wish I could have caught the uh, the end of that wonderful uh, bet conversation. But look, we're going to move on to the next part. I mean, we got about... Well, glad we have 20 for this, Ferris. You do owe me $20 for taking Darnell fucking Mooney over Gabe Davis. Gabe, he's a... Oh, barely. Uh, let's talk about... Uh, next one we're going to talk... We're going to talk about managers that we run into the most. I feel like we're either going to have enough time to talk about the rookie picks or we're going to carry this conversation out for 20 minutes. It could go either way. Um, but yeah, let, let's talk about this time for both <laughs> right now. Let's all right. Well, we got a little more conversation into psychopath drafts than I thought we would, um, yeah. but that's fine. That's good. So let's talk about how to get deals done with different types of managers now we talked about this at length on the walkabout all off season but of course it does matter um jacob i'll I'll just start with an example some people think that because you and i are completely different in our approach uh you obviously have yours i very much have my own that it would be difficult for us to get deals done it's not our deals are some of the fastest deals that we get done a couple of counters here and there bing bang boom done uh 
I wish that was the case for me personally all the time. It's not. The manager that I seem to get the most is the one that wants to write an essay mm. telling me why I need to do something for the benefit of my own roster. These are the people that I have the hardest time getting deals done with. They're not actually interested in a counter. They're not actually interested in critical thinking. It's just, this is what's going to benefit you. This is what that value is. Trust me, bro. How do you, I know you guys get this too. So I want to know how do you guys approach that type of manager? Cause it drives me up the wall. I, I think struggle. it's best. I mean, it depends on what kind of mood I'm in to being quite honest. Like there's sometimes where it's just like, no, I mean for real, like so, sometimes I'm just not in a great mood. And if like someone is being a dweeb in the DMS to go through trade, like sometimes I just do not have the like time and energy to have like a prolonged negotiation about a trade with a dude who's annoying me. Right. So in that scenario, what I've learned is it's probably best to stop because otherwise I'm just going to say something mean and then I'm going to shut off one of 11 <laughs> potential taps for future dealing purposes. I mean, like I, I have le- like I have a quick trigger. Uh, so it's like sometimes now I'm down to leagues where it's like, all right, realistically, we got seven managers here we can trade with. Cause I uh, unfortunately yelled at this, uh, this guy cause he was being uh, unreasonable. <laughs> Anyhow. So don't do that. First of all, right. You know, if you don't have anything nice to say, what is it? Don't, don't say it at all. Anyhow. Something like that. I wish I, think I could that, do that. Uh, I think best case scenario is like you kind of just want to play into whatever the other person's hand is, right? I like people who want to talk it out in, in either direction, right? Ultimately, whatever information you can glean, like I think some people, and I think this works both ways for the record. Like I think some people are like unnecessarily secretive in trade negotiations that mm-hmm. make it difficult to get deals done. Like I'm where it's like I'm trying to like hope that I can skim something on the side. It's like I, I mean. I'm not really trying to do that. I think that I think that based on how much I'm willing to share during discussions, I probably forego opportunities to get massive steals, but I kind of am willing to do that with the hope that I'm able to get more deals done generally. So like yeah. for instance, I was I, was I just want to also po- hold on, I also want to point out that doesn't mean you have to take a loss, right? I just want people to understand, like, because I know that's a thing that you have to take a loss once in a while to get deal. Nah, that's not what that fucking means. You don't have to do that. So I, I was uh, an example. I was um, talking deal with somebody uh, the other day, where I was looking to move off Higgins and Waddle, mostly because I'm kind of just looking up to move off them everywhere. Not because I think they're bad or anything. I, I just don't think that they're giving you quite enough value of a replacement relative to their cost. You know, in general in the market. So. I put him on the block, whatever. I was like, I'm open for either a quarterback upgrade, I was hoping, or or picks. Um, so guy reaches out, and he was actually a guy I traded him to originally. He reaches out. He wanted to. He has a million picks. Um, you know, he had just done a full on tank for Bijan, and he's like, "What are you doing?" You know. So to me, I'm like, I'm going to give information. I'm going to get information, and then we'll we'll try and figure out whatever makes sense if we can agree on the terms. Which was, I'm like, all right. Huge. First of all. What's your goal? Because he had obviously first year complete tank, basically doesn't have any players as a gazillion picks. He's going to get Bijan. I was like, is your goal, you know, to build slowly into 2024 being your competing year? Or are you trying to compete now? Right. Because obviously he has a bunch of 23 picks, he also has a bunch of 24 picks and 25 picks. So 
to me, it's two ways. He could sell most of the 24s and 25s, then grab some players, fill in the other spots with the 23s, and field a pretty competitive team this year. If he's not looking to compete until 24, then probably the 23s, right? And he asked me, what's your preference? I was like, honestly, I'm good with whatever. Um, I'll kind of go with whatever you want to do. So we had talked. Clutch. And then I'm just yeah. like, all right, just just so like, I was like, just so we're clear, this way we can ideally like each get the picks that we value the most. Here's how I rank every one of your firsts in terms of preference. Like I literally just went through, I was like, one, 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 six, this guy's 25 first. <laughs> this guy's 24 first, yeah. one, eight, one, 10, whatever. And I'm like, if there's any that I value more than you value, just include those and then we'll figure out the rest. And, and then we ended up kind of just having to f- figure out the pieces, right? I think sometimes people tend to be a little bit more secretive of like, ooh, I wonder if I could slide by that like I actually value this 25 more than this 23 or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, you know, maybe you could. Um, but to me, I was like, let's try and find it. I think you have to be willing to have a, a person you have a relationship with to work in good faith. But yeah, I'm kind of team more information. And I want to get information about like generally – What's this guy trying to do with his team? And don't tell them, right? Because a lot of times you'll get guys be like, hey, uh, your team is pretty shit. So I assume you want to tank for the future, right? And it's like nobody enjoys being told that. That's not a fun experience. Even if even if it's true, I don't enjoy being told that. You don't right? tell me. I tell me. All right. <laughs> right. I'm the right. one that yeah. says it. Yeah, it's like if you have an annoying brother, right? And if someone's like, oh, what do you think of your brother? I'm like, oh, he's really annoying. But if someone comes in and be like, man, your brother's a piece of shit, right? You'd be like, no, fuck you. <laughs> you know it's like so i think that's one thing is i always say like what are you looking to accomplish with this trade and and i don't mean it in a bad way i literally mean like are you trying to make your team better this year are you trying to make your team better in the future are you trying to add picks whatever if your goal is workable with any one of my goals then we'll figure it out and if it's not then you know we just won't waste our time right because i think that sometimes we get it's very hard to get deals done where we don't have aligned goals and we're just trying to I like player on your roster more than you like player on my roster type of deal. Because quite frankly, you usually like the players on your own roster and they usually like the players on their roster. And right. so you're not usually going to make just even value deals, just trading, you know, across like that. I think yeah. that, I think the art of trading a lot of the times comes down to, cause that was my main focus when we first started doing fantasy. I, I used to get so many trades done on a regular basis and, and, you know, slow down as we got into, smarter and smarter rooms it became harder and harder because i had to learn that you know you if you're like ah this guy you know he's short on quarterbacks maybe i shouldn't like offer him two running backs for his only quarterback right so no matter what type of fantasy manager is whether they're difficult whether they're just look we have a friend we shot him out it's andy uh we love him to death he's an absolute superhero he is the definition of a wild card he, for no reason, will just do things because he feels like it. We, there are those managers. We have managers that are scared to miss on a deal, um, and they know it. So shout out Barry. He's uh, uh, one of the people from the, the League of Record that we have. He Barry. gets nervous, nervous about doing deals. He's been very open about it. Uh, and so to negotiate with those people, you really you really have to like show them that you're not trying to murk them or you'll lose that trade partner forever you've got the dissertation guys you've got the i'm smarter than everyone guys you have the ktc guys that will only do deals based off the trade calculator you've like one thing that they all have in common is if you find something that you both need 
chances are you're going to get it done. And and yeah. like Jacob was saying, that's the important part is you got to match it up or it's just not going to work. Yeah, like we can talk about value all we want. Like one-to-one, it's really easy to say, I like this player more than this player. You have the opposite opinion. Let's swap that. But so much of the complexity comes down to when we factor in, you also need to monitor where I'm raking in the rest of the rosters, where my roster meets holes filled. Like there's so many extra layers to that. And it also comes down to who the player is. Like if you're the type of person that can sit down and devote hours of fantasy each day, that's a much more different aspect because maybe they are more open to take a player who they can, you know, doesn't, probably isn't seeing the field on their team, might not fill that hole, but they know that in a couple months they'll be able to start talking with the other players and probably get a profit on that player. Like knowledge of who the person you're interacting with is, is really important because being able to just bounce a trade off, there's a lot of players who they don't check sleeper unless they get notification that they're getting a trade proposal. So it, it's so much more valuable for them to just have something to look at. And I like, that's probably my best advice is be able to kind of understand and look at like sleeper has this really nice functionality where you could go through the history of your league and kind of look at who's the most active. And that I think is just so much more valuable because you can immediately kind of assess, look, if I DM this dude, and I'm like, hey, I want to buy this player. What are the odds I'm even getting a response? Like, I'm in so many leagues right now where there's guys who I know set their lineup, and that's it. Yeah. So if yeah. I don't send a trade, I know I'm not getting a response. I know you're listening. I know you're listening. Kieran, I swear to God. I swear to God. You text me to ask me trade questions about other leagues and then I immediately go, hey, by the way, there's been a trade in your inbox for a month. And then I don't hear from you again until you ask me another trade question about another league. Stop it. Stop yeah. being that person. Please. Yeah. Oh my I, God. So my problem is I've run into a lot less of the essay people. Because I think mm. I'm a lot more cut and dry than Jacob probably is. I'm a lot more just like, I don't want... I, I don't want to buy that player. Like you, you could send me good offers, but I'm not going to buy that player unless I'm ripping you off. So like, I, I'm a lot more open to just like ending negotiations. If I fair do. enough. Can yeah. I, I'll buy I, literally I, any I, fucking I, player. I don't care. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I actually like that. Uh, I'll, I'll ask this question uh, in a minute, but I actually like Jacob between you and I, we just like, we'll just be in a conversation and it'll be like, well, I wouldn't do that. And you'd be like, well, I would be like, Let's find a league where right. that's the yeah. case. That's the Lamar honestly, Jackson, the Lamar Jackson and Kirk Cousins situation yeah. where I was like, yeah, I would trade. We talked about it on the show. I would trade Lamar Jackson for like Kirk Cousins and picks. And you're like, let's do that. We did it twice. Yeah. Right. Like they, it, it can formulate just from that. I want to ask, what's your, what is your go-to reply for just outright saying you're not interested? Like mine is always like I get a trade offer and I will just type ew, gross, hard no and like send it like and well, that's it like that establishes like if it depends on the goal it. like because there's different things right it's okay it's in, so, it's good natured i'll say okay I'll, so I'll, it, I'll for me it depends that. like if someone sends me just like an obviously trash offer 
depending on the person. If it's like someone that I know, I'll usually be like, um, I don't know. I'll say like, so, I don't know. I'll try to say something witty, and I, nothing's coming in my head right now. But uh, if it's just some stranger who sends me a trash offer, and I'm in a good mood, I'll just reject no counter. If I'm in a bad mood, I'll say something sassy that I'll later regret. Um, if uh, uh, if it's like if, if it's like a reasonable offer, but it's just not what's gonna work for me, like. I, as a person who just sends a million offers out, like honestly, it's deflating. It, it brings me back to like getting rejected by women all the time when uh, I'm like out here just firing off 50 offers and they all get rejected without a counter. Like, so for instance, this happened like the other day where I had a team where it's like my team's pretty old. Um, I'm not sure what I want to do with it next year yet. I'm not interested in moving my 24 first because I want that flexibility. Someone sent me, uh, and it was a, a person I like doing deals with generally, sent me Cooper Cup for. Uh, my 24 first and the 205 and i was like that's not like a bad deal so anyway i just i reclined declined no counter but i was just like hey just want to let you know like that deal is totally reasonable um it's just like i'm not looking at my 24 first and i probably don't want to pay what it costs for cup because my team's already pretty old but that deal's a-okay just like i don't yeah. know just because i don't want him thinking like oh am i like P well plus the other thing is here's, here's a little is, bit of psychology casualty maintenance that's casualty Here's, maintenance. It's casualty maintenance. That's also this, right? I want to, if, if I'm reject, if, if I'm rejecting him, no counter, he might think, Oh, that's asking too much. He might then start lowering his ask to other players, right? I might not want Cooper cup, but I don't necessarily want Cooper cup being sold really cheap to other people. So I want to register like, no, that's the appropriate market cost. That's what you should be asking for. Right. And then hopefully that keeps that person having a certain level of ask instead of dropping that ask lower and lower as they go to other people. So I always want to make yeah. sure that like, I'm not, I'm not participating in a system that allows other people that I'm competing with to end up getting really cheap players. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's kind of where I want to be. Funny thing is I ended up making that trade for Cooper cup off of that because then I'm like, well, actually, what if I send you Marquise Brown? He's a little bit younger. And then I don't know, we did like, I tossed him a second and I got Miles Sanders. The deal ended up getting done, which it, it definitely wouldn't have had I just declined. So that's one thing. And I think the other thing is like, what if it's the opposite way, right? Somebody sent me um, Swift for like the one Oh four. And I was like, Hey, um, I'm out on that. I'm not interested in acquiring DeAndre Swift right now. Um, so if your goal was to sell him, I'm not the guy. If your goal was to acquire the 104, we can talk about it. <laughs> you know, something yeah. like that, right? Um, so it it always depends. Um, but yeah, you try to just be transparent with what I'm doing, and then whatever works. You know, if if someone wants to do something that can work with it, it works with it. And for the most yeah. part, you're in leagues with these people. You're in more than one. Chances are. And and you you talk and people can like see what moves you're making, right? You know yeah. the guy in your league that just won't buy a running back, and you know yeah. the guy in your league that'll just charge you an arm and a leg for that running back at any cost at any time. Like understanding your league is just as important as knowing how to like put a trade together. You know what's one of the weirdest phenomenons so when people try to argue with you about how you value things, like because it, it actually oh makes my no rational God. sense, right? Like if if, if it would be very hard for me to complete a trade with me, right? Because that person, like, it would need to be a very particular set of circumstances where it's like, you know, Jacob 1 is in a full rebuild and Jacob 2 is trying to compete and has, like, a bunch of excess picks hanging around. Okay, we could make it work. But, like, otherwise it would be very difficult because I want to sell the yeah. same players that he wants to sell and I want to buy the same players that he wants to buy, right? Like, sometimes we'll get people that will be like, 
no, you're wrong about this guy. He's too high value, whatever. Like, great. I, I want to disagree with you about players or strategy or something because now we can find something where I get what I think you undervalue and you get what you think I undervalue. It's fine. That's how trades will actually be accomplished, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm in leagues with people from like Bulletproof Discord and I probably do. I'm very inactive in most of those leagues because a lot of them naturally, I mean, they subscribe to me. They read stuff that I do. There's some selection bias in, in terms of what analysis they want to follow anyway. Naturally, they have the same takes on most of the guys that I do. So it's like I'm not going to get that many trades done with them because it's like trying to trade with myself, which is very hard, right? Yep. So I think it's like so weird sometimes where somebody will be like, yeah, I really don't value the running back position. Well, the answer should then – like the response should then be, okay – I'll sell you wide receivers. It shouldn't be, here's why you should value running backs. It's like, yeah. no, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's and okay. you should value running backs, but specifically the ones that I have on my right. roster. I've had the worst days at work ever when I just got in one of those and I just didn't let it go. Yeah. Where I just sit there on my phone just seething about something that doesn't inherently yeah. matter. Like, uh, no, I... Like that one drives me insane. I think the the person I run into the most when I'm doing fantasy trading is the person that just can't hit accept. They're completely oh, fine yeah. with you hitting accept, yeah. but they they do not want to take the trade. They will that's, counter that's everything. Yeah. yeah, just just send just yeah okay that's good. Just send that over. Just send uh, or like. Oh no, I I'm not talking about that. Just the person that like if. if they're accepting my offer. They're taking a loss, so they'll always like add on, just like, okay, oh, well, throw throw a throw a twenty five fourth on there. I mean, five oh. fab. Shout out Monty. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean Monty. <laughs> Monty's doing it for the bit though. Monty will like initial offers. No, I agree. With, like for like three we, fab. It's a, it's his running gag. It's one of my favorites. I'll say this: that we we know a person like that, and I'm I'm. I've already mentioned like two people or three people. I'm going to mention a fourth, Andrew, uh, Lions in in 2034. My one of my closest friends. He, if you send him a trade that he's cool with, and it involves like you've sent him, you'll give him the 206, and you have the 207. He will just like counter for the 207 for the sake of like needing to get that last like thread, and especially yeah. if he knows that like someone like me, I'm not going to argue over that one spot if it like means blowing the deal up but there's like he's definitely that type and there is that type out there that just needs to get that like last sliver the last say to like yeah, yeah. i made that deal like that was my deal like that was yeah my deal. There, it wasn't anybody else's it was mine yeah it's you know? kind of like the the pawn store fallacy where like yes! you go to a pawn store and you go to sell something you're like i want to sell this for two hundred dollars and the guy behind the counter goes, deal. You're like, oh. Dude, like, that's <laughs> a fucking DeBar. I've sent DeBaradox a uh, shout out to Bear. We're just name dropping uh, uh, friends on the, at this point. It's real casual. Uh, he is a an aggressive fantasy manager, very good player. When I send him deals or Tom Lee deals and they just accept right away, I was like, where did I fuck up? Yeah. Like, where yeah. did people I make mistake now? Pe- people get rattled by this. Like, I actually smash accept deals a lot. And like, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that people don't ex- expect that. Like, like, so I would say like, I mean, Freaks look, me out. Whatever, whatever people, I mean, obviously everybody's going to interpret every offer differently. Um, I, tr- I like to think that like, 
any offer that I send has a reasonable chance of being accepted. And I try to put that onto other offers too, which is like, yeah, if I get a good offer, I'm just hitting accept. I think that the way it's like a lot of people, maybe it's because they don't play in as many leagues or they don't trade as much, but a lot of people, it's like, I'm trying to extract the most out of this trade that I can. And maybe that would be better, you know, in a sense, but like I've experienced it too many times where, you know, someone offers me something that I would take, but I'm like, maybe I could get a little bit more. And then I start negotiating and then either that person ends up doing a deal with somebody else or they just stop yes. flying or like, and whatever. And then sometimes the deal goes away entirely or maybe we get it done, but it's like, Oh great. I got the three eleven added on and it took me three days of arguing about it. And it's like, is that really worth my time and energy? No. So like at this point in time, like if I get something in my inbox that I am happy with, I'm not really worried about what more I could get. I'm just going to accept it. Right. And so then it's always funny. Like I have a, one of my buddies, Matt um, dynasty peasant, which we'll just keep name dropping. Like he always says it's so scary. Cause it's like, I just like, whenever I get a good deal, I either just smash decline or I smash accept. It's like, I don't, I'm not very interested in negotiating quite frankly. Like I, in general, like I either want to do the deal or I don't want to do the deal. So it's like, I'm happy to just accept it if it works. I don't really need to like pick it around the details. And, and, uh, and especially like with, people that I've built up a certain amount of relationship with, it's like, I kind of know how far people are going to go. Right. It's like, I know there's certain guys. It's like, I'm probably not going to rip them off by a ton. Right. It's a little different. Like if I'm dropped into a brand new startup and I know that some of these people like might be a little bit, you know, I don't really know how much they played. I don't know. I don't know like how good they are. I don't know how much they follow the market in any way. It's like, okay, maybe I'll push the envelope a little bit more here. But like, if I know someone and I know that they're generally only going to make, you know, reasonably fair deals and then they send me one and it fits what I want to do. It's like, yeah, I'll just accept it. It's, it's fine. Yeah. You know, plus like I, I always assume maybe this is wrong, but like when I send out deals, I send out deals like usually on mass, like I'll be like, okay, I'm either I'm picking up, you know, either I'm picking a player that I want to sell. And so then I go to all the leagues where I have them and I send out like five offers with that player each, or I'm picking a thing that I want in a given league. And I send out six different offers. Like, to me, it's yep. like if someone comes in and counters whatever, it's like I still have four offers outstanding. Somebody else might just accept. I, I'm always considering that other people might be doing that too. I don't know if they're only sending to me. Right? Yep. I'll say yeah. one one place that I've grown as a, a fantasy manager, and I hope everyone else does too, is just being okay with being okay with what you're getting. Like, And that may sound weird when you hear it initially, but if you really think about it, like just learning to be okay with feeling okay about what you're getting to say it again uh it matters because i don't know how many times i'm like yeah i really like in my head i like that then immediately i do the deal and i'm like oh man i i maybe i like that too much and now i don't want to go make another one in another league or you get trade yeah. shy because you like the deal too much and then maybe for whatever reason it, it does go south i think just learning to be okay with what you've come away with for your team is is something like uh, that that would help a lot of people out. Uh, honestly, um, one final thing before we get out of here because we're 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 almost pushing uh, Jacob's go time to get the class on time. I want to ask just one one thing quick. I mentioned uh, for me, I want to know your guys is where you think you've developed the most in learning how to deal with the different types of fantasy managers. Now three four years uh, into Dynasty uh, Fantasy, I guess. Yeah, four or five years now. So I want to know where you guys have grown the most because, again, mine is being okay and then just kind of learning to be more accepting of other people's opinions where I didn't used to be. My way was the right way. Uh, so I want to know where you guys have grown the most. I want to start with Billy. 
Yeah, I've talked about this a little bit, and it's I I got into fantasy very seriously when the pandemic started, and that was nice at that time because I'd be a distraction, and it was perfect for me to sit at my phone while I'm working and you know send out offers. But the problem is back then it was very easy for me to sit there and work on a deal for six hours straight. And now, as the pandemic ended, and I'm now in office again, all that stuff, it's not quite as easy. So one of the things I've gotten the best at is just accepting the deal not happening. Like, it's so much more worth it to sit there and go, yeah, I don't think we value the same stuff. It's okay. Then for us to sit there and bicker about razor-thin margins. Like, I'd much rather not get a deal done and continue to enjoy my time in a league and have like a relationship with the person I'm playing with than for us to get this stupid argument about the 310 versus the 303. Yep. Yep. 100%. I love that. Jacob. Yeah. I mean, biggest thing for sure is just like patience and, and understanding how, how little each individual deal actually impacts your team generally. Like I think that that is maybe that. more willing to just hit accept you know, on certain deals where it's like, I don't need to be a hundred percent sure because like whatever, it's all kind of a 55, 45 anyway. And it's also made me be like, all right, you know, I don't need this guy. It's fine. You know, I'd like to add to this team, but I, ha- I have a certain limit. And if I'm not able to get a deal with that limit, I'll let it ride. Right. I think like, um, I, I definitely overpay less out of, out of desperation, but I'm more interested in Jamie's question, which is one last I, question I for all say- the Canadians. Rank these beers, Molson, Labatt, or Moosehead. Um, I am not I Canadian. Which, I don't know which Molson you're referring to, but I will just include them all in this uh, answer. Okay, Molson so here we blue. go. So, so number one, Moosehead. Number two, uh, Molson Export. Number three, Labatt 50. Number four, Labatt Blue. Number five, Molson Canadian. Uh, okay, my my answer for this, Jamie, it's going to be real simple. To rank these beers, I have to go with whiskey, whiskey, and whiskey. Uh, I don't drink any of them. Uh, I am a whiskey drinker. The only beer that I drink, aside from Rebellion, we're, aside from our future, like our new sponsor, uh, I'll mention it now, we do have a Canadian beer sponsor in Rebellion Brewing. At Rebellion Brewing. I don't know why I said Brewing there. It's my East Coast. We got uh, the deal, Brewing. We'll launch. We'll we're we're launching with them uh, when we come back. Uh, Rebellion. So look for that here there in Canada. But for me, the only beer I drink is Sleeman's Honey Brown. Outside of that, it's all whiskey for me. So I'm not the one. I'm not as super Canadian as the. I don't like hockey that much, and I don't drink beer. I'm not like a true Canadian. So and I, I'm I just purely. I'm just purely not Canadian. So I have nothing on this you're, one. You're, you're honorary Canadian. I'll never forget, though, I saw Luke Bryan at Country Fest, and he probably drank about 12 Molsons during the performance. And, like, he was just, like, shotgunning them on stage. I, I don't understand how he finished. Like, he probably also poured – at one point, he poured six shots of Crown Royal on top of his piano and drank them all in one song. Like, props of legend. Um, that being real. said, I remember, like, about Molson number nine, he was just like – these Molson's up in here are a little strong. And like every Canadian was like, he knows our beer and he's drinking Canadian beer. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, the bar is so low for these Americans to like endear themselves to a Canadian crowd. 
It's so phenomenal. I love it. Guys, fantastic show. We had a great time. We only got to, I guess, three out of the four topics, if you include the bonus. Uh, I absolutely loved it. Final thoughts before we get out of here. Uh, Jacob. All right. Um, have fun. I hope you enjoyed the games. Um, I promise that your experience of watching football is better if you don't entirely focus on the refing. Um, so yes. take that yes. forward with you in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, that and if anybody can get any video performances of Chris Stapleton doing the national anthem to give me some extra tips on the over-under, uh, you know, send them to my DMs <laughs> and you'll have my eternal appreciation. I love that. Billy? Yeah, I guess I got to say this now. Uh, I'm going to be gone not just for our break, but for a while after our break, uh, trying to graduate for all this stuff that's coming up. Uh, for those of y'all that still don't know, I'm a full-time student and everything, and I'm trying to finish up. So I'm probably going to be in the dark uh, when we come back for at least a little bit. So enjoy the Super Bowl. Everyone have a great time. That's going to be so much fun. Like, y'all, I'm going to miss y'all. I'm going to miss sitting back down here and doing this every week. And I am very, very, very hopeful I will be back for the start of our player uh, player rookie breakdowns moving forward. Yeah, Billy, Billy's got to take a school break. We love that. Uh, also, shout out Jamie. Uh, you know, rocking with us in the chat. Shout out to the whole chat. Remember, go to YouTube. Go subscribe. It means a lot. We're up to 361. We're climbing. The goal is 500 by draft day. So hopefully uh, when it comes to our last five-player countdown, we can give away our JSN autograph jersey. That would be sick. We need to get to 500 subs to do that. Um, so you're going to want to get in there. And of course, my final thoughts are always the same. Let's enjoy the games out here. You don't have to be a giant pile of shit because your team lost. Let's remember that. Uh, there's variants all the time. We talk about it in fantasy. It goes the same way. Remember, there's people on the other side of those screens, man. It's it's not that deep. Uh, remember that. It, you're, the pain of loss will subside, right? It, it's it's going to go away. Like, don't ruin somebody's week. Uh, because your team lost. Um, also, I just want to say the Bengals got the ball back like twice after the called whistle. So, like, maybe relax. <laughs> Jacob, Jacob, you're muted. Jacob, you're muted. Oh, it's fine. I was just like, you got the ball back twice. The game was tied. Score or quit yeah. your whining. That's uh, agreed. So, look, that, that's it for us. Uh, Jacob and I will do Super Bowl predictions next next week. Maybe we'll still get uh, Billy's. Uh, Eagles! Via, via, okay, there it is. Billy's Billy says Eagles. Jacob and I, mean, I, I think do... the Eagles preseason. I can't abandon them now. I'm gonna be the only Chiefs one here. That's okay. Uh, so we're gonna do Super Bowl predictions. I got my 28 to one ticket, baby. We're still trying rolling. to get out of here, Jacob. God damn it! I feel like Billy now. We're gonna do our Super Bowl predictions and what we loved about the 2022 season wrap up uh, next week before we go on a break. Shout out to everyone. We really do appreciate everyone rocking with us. It's been a great year. So remember that clear-eyed and full hearts can never lose. And your best days, they're always spent tilting. Good night, everybody. Take care.